This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke. We are continuing our series entitled The Life Worth Living. Last week, we talked about identity in Christ, the fact that we are children of God, and that new identity and all of the value that brings to us. We're going to end the message there as well this week. Uh, The first week, we talked about overcoming temptation. I would encourage you to go back and listen to any of these messages. I believe they'll be a help and an encouragement, a resource to you, especially during this time. Today, we're going to talk about welcoming sinners. I'm going to talk about how Jesus loves sinners, how Jesus heals sinners, how Jesus wants sinners to follow him. And so I want you to dive in, uh, get the family together. I want you to text a friend, uh, tell them that we're doing this study, uh, text them the link to our YouTube and uh, gather in together because we're going to be studying Luke chapter five and verse 27. I'm going to talk about a group of people who were abandoned, much like this building that we're in, tattered and torn. They were tagged by sin. Their hearts were just desolate. Levi was one of those. And the religious leaders who looked good on the outside, who didn't have all of the graffiti all on the outside, the religious leaders who looked good were actually the ones who needed the grace the most. So Luke chapter five and verse 27, what I want to do today, I want to work backwards. I want to go from the, the, the back portion of the passage, uh, 31 through 32, and then work our way back up to verse 27 as we tell the story about Levi or Matthew and how he met Jesus. He was a man who was going from one unfulfilled pursuit to the next until one day Jesus met him and offered him a full life something that was more than empty. And Levi left everything he was doing for the Roman government and followed Jesus. But the religious leaders, the self-righteous, they couldn't see what Jesus was doing because they couldn't see past who he was doing it to or why he was doing it. And sometimes we can uh, see God working even in, in a crisis like this but, but many times we can't see past our own circumstances or our own feelings. Let me encourage you to think about what God is doing around you. God is working in the lives of those who are far from him. And you say, well, I know some sinners. I know some really, really big sinners. Let me, let me just clear something up. We're all sinners. Let me, let me clear something else up about our church. I want to get a big banner that says, no perfect people allowed because sinners are always welcome at the foot of the cross. We're all sinners. Whether you're an outward sinner or an inward sinner, you're all a sinner. We're all sinners in need of grace. And so the question that the religious leaders were asking was, why would Jesus give such grace and such mercy to these people, these sinners, these tax collectors who never gave any grace or any mercy once in their entire lives? Why would Jesus give that? the answer is because grace isn't fair. In fact, grace is anything but fair. You see, grace is the undeserved favor that God gives to us. Now, let me give you some context about tax collectors and sinners and and what, what was happening in this passage. 
tax collectors were hired by the Roman government to put a toll or a tax on the people of each province or region. And so Levi or Matthew was hired by the Romans to tax his own people, his neighbors. So let me put it to you this way. What if someone put up a gate at the beginning of your neighborhood and every time you exited your neighborhood to go to the store, to go to work, you had to pay them something. And given on the day or their mood, they could charge whatever they want and put the extra in their pocket. Would that make you happy or a little bit annoyed? I'm telling you, we would be picketing and tearing those things down and calling lawyers and the police. We would not allow that to happen. That, that's what was happening in this area, in this time. And so it just didn't seem fair. But Jesus gave grace anyway. Why? Because grace has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with God's love for us. In fact, here's a key thought for you, and that is this, that Jesus doesn't give us grace because we're lovely. Jesus gives us love and grace until we're lovely. His grace and his love is actually what transforms us. And so we think we have to be good to receive God's grace, and that's just not the truth. You see, the only thing we contribute to grace and forgiveness is sin. See, Ephesians 2 says this very clearly. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherein he loved us, when we were dead in sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. By his grace are ye saved. In fact, he repeats that. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, Jesus loves sinners. Jesus heals sinners. And Jesus does that all by grace. So here are three truths. Three truths for a God who welcomes sinners. First, God sent Jesus to heal sinners. Secondly, God sent Jesus to love sinners and to prove his love for sinners. And then thirdly, we're going to look at today that God sent Jesus to create a, a sense of belonging so that we could be followers of Jesus. So if you're a sinner, you can become a follower. I want to break this up into two parts. First, I want to look at the fact that Jesus heals sinners. Jesus heals the sick. And in verse 31 and 32, uh, Jesus is specifically talking about healing and inner sickness. And he said this in Luke 5, 31, 32. Look in your notes. You can download the notes on the website or you can just look in your Bible. But it says this, Jesus answer, answering said unto them, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, we're all in a pandemic right now, but I have to clear something up. And that is this, that the most deadly pandemic ever to infiltrate planet Earth is sin. Sin has a 100% infection rate and a 100% death rate. Sin is the true virus that we should all be looking out for. And Jesus came to heal those who were sick with sin. You see, Jesus was predicting that he would be a healer, that he would be a, a great physician in Capernaum. When, when he described healing a man uh, who was brought to him on a mat, and remember they busted open the, the, the roof of the, of the building. This building doesn't have a roof, right? Uh, it's been taken off. Well, the building that Jesus was on, they tore the roof off to get to Jesus. And that man came in lame and left jumping for joy. Why? Because Jesus healed him physically. You can read that in this passage, uh, chapter five and verse 18 through 26. But Jesus 
becomes the hero of this story because he did what that man couldn't do for himself or what anyone else could do. And there are a lot of heroes right now. Uh, there are a lot of people doing a lot of great things. There are some scientists that are trying to develop a vaccine for the coronavirus. There are doctors and nurses, even in our church, who we're praying for, we are supporting. They are heroes. You ask, why, why are doctors heroes? Because doctors do what we can't do for ourselves. In fact, doctors risk their health to bring health to others. They would put them, they, they're putting themselves every single day into positions that are really close to this virus. They are putting their families at risk. They are putting themselves at risk. Why? To try to rescue our world from this new virus, from this new disease. You see, we can only be rescued if we admit we need it. The other day I was out in the community and I walked up to a reception desk and, and before she would help me, she asked, are you sick? And I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, do I look sick? And, and she just asked the question again, are you sick? And I said, no, no, I'm not. And right when I said I was not sick, all of a sudden I had this really big sneeze. And, and I, don't, I don't know if you can sneeze small, but I can't sneeze small. Like when I'm gonna sneeze, I sneeze big. And I just did this huge sneeze. And I had, I, I had my elbow, I had my mask on, okay? So I didn't sneeze on anybody. But it was a, it was a really awkward moment because I just said I wasn't, I wasn't sick. And little did I know she had one of those laser guns that I'm thinking are gonna be standard practice now. And she points this laser at my forehead and says, no, you're not sick. <laughs> you know, I was wanting to say, I'm fine. And that's what we all say when we're confronted with our sin. We all say, I'm fine, I promise, I don't need help. But the reality is we all need help from, with our sin. We all need the great physician. We all need Jesus. You see, only Jesus can cure those willing to be honest with him that they have a sin problem, that they're sick, that they're broken, and they need his forgiveness. You see, Matthew describes how Jesus was talking about being that solution to sin. Matthew 9 and verse 12 says this, But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that, be, they that are sick. And then he said this, he said, go ye and learn what that meaneth. I have mercy, not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Some of you Bible scholars, I want you to study, what did Jesus mean by have mercy, not sacrifice? He was saying, I want to rescue. I want to rescue those who are willing to be rescued. And those that are in denial about their sin, they can't be rescued. Why? They don't admit that they have a sin problem. And so Jesus came not just to heal physical sickness, but to heal spiritual sickness as well. You see that man who was healed and was able to jump for joy? He was also forgiven. He left free and forgiven that day. That's why Jesus came. He came to forgive. He came seeking the sick. He came seeking sinners. And here's a key thought for this first point. And that is true inner freedom is when regret is gone, when guilt is forgiven, and when shame has no more power. You see, Paul said this in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. You see, Jesus gives anyone who will stop long enough to think about it, 
the chance and the opportunity to change their life. But that invitation that he gives to you, friend, for healing, for inner healing, can be received or rejected. And so I have to ask you, are you willing to trust him at his word, that he can heal you? You see, Peter said it this way, that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the same word that Jesus used, repentance. It's turning from something and turning toward Jesus. If you're holding on to religion, turn from religion and turn to Jesus. If you're holding on to the past, turn from your past and turn to Jesus. If you're holding on uh, to anything, you have to let that go and turn to Jesus. Now, I don't normally do this, but I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you're a friend of someone in our church. Maybe you just logged on because you saw we were live. Maybe you're watching this later. I want to give you the opportunity to turn to Jesus right now. I'm going to continue and talk about how Jesus loves sinners. But right now, I want to give you specifically the opportunity to call out to him and to receive him as your savior. He is one uh, decision away from being your savior and you are one decision away from receiving him as your savior and becoming a child of God. I'd encourage you, if you would like to reach out to him, I would bow your head right now or your heart. If you're in your car, pray out loud. If you're with your family, don't be ashamed to just bow your head and pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I'm a hopeless sinner, but I trust that you came to forgive me. And I believe that you died and rose again for the salvation and the healing of my soul. So I trust in you alone to save me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, I would really encourage you to text the number that's on your screen right now. 661-450-8761. I would love to pray with you. I would love to rejoice with you on the inner healing that you have just found. You know, Jesus doesn't just bring healing. He brings love. Jesus heals the sick, but he also loves the sinner. See, in verse number 29 of our passage, uh, verse 29, Levi or Matthew made him a great feast in his own house. There was a great company of publicans and others that sat down with him. And the scribes, those are the, that's the religious leaders, and the Pharisees, those that studied the law, murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? They wanted to know not what he was doing. They wanted to not know how they could receive it. They were asking, Why would you hang out with people like that? Why would you be there? Maybe some of you were asking me the question, Why would you be here? I want you to know that wherever you are, Jesus loves you. It doesn't matter if you're in a really dark place right now. It doesn't matter if you're in a place that you feel like no one is there for you. Let me tell you, Jesus is there for you. He loves you. He cares for you. See, Matthew described this in Matthew 9, verse number 10, when he was sitting at meat, and he said that many publicans, so many tax collectors were there, and sinners, and they came and sat down with him and his disciples, meaning the disciples wanted to be with Jesus, and Jesus wanted to be with sinners. Why? Because Jesus loves sinners. Every person on the planet has tested positive with sin and with pride, and there is no earthly antidote. And so you say, well, if we're all sinners, what type of sinners does Jesus love? He loves all types. 
He loves the first type of sinner. That's the sinner that agrees with God about their sin. And he loves even the sinners who are in denial about their sin. But Jesus loves all types of sinners. And the question we must ask ourselves is, are we receiving that love? And here's a key thought. We talk a lot about social distancing, keeping separation between people. And that's for physical health. But can I tell you something when it comes spiritually? Jesus never has and Jesus never will social distance from any sinner. He wants to get up close and personal with you. He loves you regardless of what has happened in the past. He loves you regardless of what is happening in the present. And friend, he loves you regardless of what might happen in the future. You cannot be separated from the love of God. Now you, you can separate yourself, but friend, you're not going to separate uh, yourself from his love toward you. And so I think it's really important to understand what we were talking about last week in Luke chapter four and verse number 18, when Jesus said, I, I am preaching the gospel to the poor, those who are needy. He said, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Not, not those that feel great all the time, but the brokenhearted to give deliverance to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, to set liberty, them that are bruised. You see, Jesus cares about every soul and every sinner, even the outward rebellious ones and even the inward religious ones. Jesus cares for you. Jesus loves those with money, those without money. He loves those that are brokenhearted because of their own mistakes and those that are brokenhearted because of others' mistakes. He loves people who are in bondage uh, because of something someone else has done. He loves people who are in bondage to addictions, outward addictions, inward addictions. If you're a sinner, Jesus loves you and he died for you to prove that you see John 12 says if I be lifted up I will draw all men unto me all men all types of sinners young sinners old sinners thin sinners thick sinners big sinners small sinners sneaky sinners you know those sinners who shake the fast food bag to get all the fries to the bottom of the bag so they can have extra that's pretty sneaky blatant sinners those people who drink straight from the jug. Don't be one of those people in this coronavirus world. But Jesus loves all types of sinners, regardless of what your sin is. Jesus loves you. And Jesus wants you to know that he has come to rescue you. And the one thing that I have in my, in, in my roles and responsibilities is to protect and, and if need be to rescue my boys and my wife. And a couple years ago, I was put in the position where I thought I was gonna have to do that and I failed miserably. See, I was sleeping, fast asleep. And when I sleep, I sleep hard. And Danielle woke me up and said, I think someone's breaking into our house. And I hopped out of bed and I went to go look and I peered around the corner, I didn't see anyone. So I said, hello? Now, if someone is breaking into your house, please do not announce yourself or give them a greeting. And I hear this voice from the room. Danielle's like, are you kidding me right now? Are you serious? You're gonna announce yourself to the intruder? You're gonna greet them? I was half asleep. I was in no position to rescue anyone, including myself. Can I tell you, when you're weak, when you're tired, Jesus wants to rescue you and he has the strength to rescue you. He can heal your sin sick soul because he loves sinners. And the third point 
that I want to point you to. The third truth is not only does he heal the sick and he loves the sinners, but the third point is this, that Jesus invites followers. See, if you're coming to the service thinking of yourself as a sinner, I want you to leave a follower. And I want you to note what Luke says about how Jesus called Matthew or Levi to be his follower. He says this, and after these things, this is verse 27 and 28 of our passage. He went forth, saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. Now here's a picture of the receipt of custom there in uh, Capernaum. I've seen this, walked right by it. It's incredible that it's still there where Levi was sitting most likely. And in verse 28, Luke describes what happened to Levi slash Matthew that day. He left all, rose up, and followed him. Notice the order of that. First, he decides to leave everything behind, everything that was empty, everything that, that, that he thought would fill him. He left it all behind. He got up and he followed Jesus. You see, repentance is walking away from the life of trying uh, to do it on your own toward the life worth living, the life that Jesus offers. And repentance is being in agreement with God toward our, uh, regarding our sin. Surrender is letting go after salvation, after we've received Christ. Surrender is letting go of our way of dealing with sin for God's way of dealing with sin. You see, he walked away from everything. As some one author put it, everything minus Jesus isn't worth anything. But Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And so John describes this love that he was developing in his heart for Jesus. And he described it as, as a put down on everything else in the world. In fact, he said in John, 1 John 2, 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so here's our final key thought it is this. Jesus called us to live a life insulated from sin, but not isolated from sinners. You see, what was the first thing Jesus did right after he called Levi and Matthew uh, to and, and all the other disciples. What's the first thing they did? They always went to go tell other sinners, to eat with other sinners, to be friends with other sinners. Everything that God has called us to do is focused on reaching out and showing the love that God has shown to you toward others. First John 4 says this, First John 4, 9, in this was made manifest the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son in the world that we might live through him here in his love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation or a substitute for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected or made vivid in us. You see, Jesus made his love vivid by, by telling why he came. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, I can't see the physical eyes of Jesus, but I can be the eyes of Jesus by having compassion. I, I can't feel or, or, or talk into the ears of Jesus per se, physically, but I can be the ears of Jesus by showing empathy. Uh, I might not be able to uh, 
feel right now the hands of Jesus, but I can give generously to others. I would encourage you to be the feet of Jesus by serving humbly. Be the heart of Jesus by praying fervently and live the life that Jesus called us to live by loving passionately. You see, Jesus is inviting you to invite others to experience the life worth living. And here's the takeaway. It is this, that Jesus welcomes sinners like you and like me so that we can welcome sinners near us. Let me say it again. Jesus welcomes sinners like you so that you can welcome sinners near you. He wants you to find someone to show the love that he has shown to you, to give the grace that he has given to you. You see, when Levi or Matthew described in Matthew chapter 9 about Jesus sitting and eating with the publicans and sinners, he also described Jesus eating with his disciples, which is a little bit different than Luke described. And I think it's interesting, and I never noticed this until this week, that Matthew, I believe, was describing himself not as a publican anymore, not even as a sinner anymore, even though he still was. He was describing himself as a follower. And if you have come a sinner to this service, you can leave a follower. You can leave being a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, our mistakes and our weaknesses, they don't have to define us. That's what last week was all about. They can actually direct us through God's grace to become greater followers of Jesus Christ. You see, it's the grace of God that is the only place where you can come a sinner and leave a follower. Some of you have maybe heard the story that's being uh, kind of shared around right now, and it's the story of the dad who had one of those really, really old pocket watches, and he, he was about to give it to his son. The dad was up in years, and, and, and the son, he was trying to teach responsibility and value and things, and handed the pocket watch, and he said, this is very old, and it's very valuable, and I want you to take it down to the pawn shop, and I want you to see how much they will give us for it. And so the young man went down to the pawn shop and he uh, started talking to the, the owner and, and the pawn shop kind of you know, bargained back and forth and, and they, they tried to go back and forth on a price. And finally they ended up, he said, man, it's old. It doesn't work properly. It's scratched. I'll give you $5 for it. So the young man was kind of dejected. He went back to his father and he said, They'll just give us $5 for it. And he said, well, I want you to go to anyone you can find. Go to the coffee shop. Go to the store. I want you to offer anyone who would like this old pocket watch. Try to sell it anywhere. And, and, and the biggest offer he got the entire day was $10. That night at dinner, the young man was a little bit uh, discouraged. And his dad said, now tomorrow, I want you to drive to that watch museum about 100 miles from here. And I want you to drop this off there and ask those experts how much this watch is worth. And you already know the ending. That watch, that pocket watch, one of the first pocket watches ever to be created was worth over $1 million. You see, everyone else couldn't recognize the value that those people could recognize. The museum knew the value, but everyone else looked at it with totally worthless value. See, what God says is priceless, others say is worthless. 
God knows your true value. You think that you are worthless. You think that you're a sinner. And he says, no, you have great value in being my follower. Will you follow Jesus? Will you live your life completely focused on him? If you will, he's going to ask you to welcome sinners. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time that we've had spending the last few minutes discussing the life worth living. I pray that you'd help every person, every young adult, every teenager, every child, every couple, every single. Lord, I pray that you'd please help our entire church to be soul conscious, to be, Lord, aware that there's a greater health need. That's our spiritual health. Would you please help us to follow you uh, through grace, not by trying harder and determination, but would you please, God, enable us to live the life you've called us to live. Lord, I pray for every person who's joined us. Would you please lift them up, lift their burdens, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.